Welcome to episode 7 of Femdementalists. I'm Faiza. I'm Mac. Um, and this is going to be a continuation of our from our last um, episode, which was about uh, our feelings on religion. And this week, we're going to be tackling... Some more feelings on religion. Some more feelings. Uh, Shocker. More feelings on religion. A, a, a broader take, because last week was about kind of our feelings about Islam and the Muslim community in general, our personal feelings. Yeah. This week, we're going to be tackling kind of like the more mainstream issues, yeah. things that you see in the media, um, like ISIS and terrorism in general. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, I, I didn't want to, like, and... pigeonhole this into just an Islam conversation, because I think a right. lot of the things that we're talking about apply to organized religion more broadly, but right. I'm not Christian or Jewish or anything else, so I can't really speak on that. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just, I mean, these are, because those are, well, what's kind of, like, the whole ISIS thing, um, I feel like is a bit more relevant, at least, to our lives, because... It's such just like a bundle mental distortion yeah. of what like I was brought up to believe Islam is about. Yeah. Um, so it's really scary to see it play out in the media and the kind of justifications they have for the shit that they do is mm-hmm. insane to me. But, um, but so I'll let you yeah, th- go ahead. So the weird thing is, and of course, 100 million thousand percent. I believe, just like you said, that ISIS is a gross distortion of Islam, but I don't necessarily think that they, like, make it up, right? I think they have justifications for everything, whether it's some backyard mullah or some, like, random fatwa that they've managed to find. I think they've been able to find enough people who agree with their insanity and completely right. irrational approach which is kind of the really scary thing because yeah in numbers when you look at like the one point what is it three four billion muslims mm-hmm. um compared to that the number of terrorists is really small right. but it's not like it's 20 people worldwide no right it's enough that there's a it's like hundreds of across, thousands i would right. say if not like a million two million and that's a pretty significant number of people like Mm -hmm. you put them in one place they're gonna cause some freaking damage that's right and it's not localized right this is across country it's across culture you know right cross culture cross country um it it, this is it's borderless yeah and it's insidious and and pervasive yeah and like throughout time because we've been seeing it at least for over a decade even before with like i think it started in at least in terms of my lifetime it started with like the bosnia serbia right. um issues back in the 90s yeah um yeah so i i don't know i think that's like the number one most troubling part of it is that i don't think it's just completely made up and all in their head i think that's why they feel so strongly about it because they've been able to find either written or at least ideological justification for it. Right, there's some kernel of truth truth there yeah. right, that they're working for off sure. of. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. Yes, sorry. And I think that's what is, and I remember there was that piece um, Mona Al-Dawahi I think her mm-hmm. name is, mm-hmm. I'm butchering her last no, name, no. but she had written I mean, this close enough. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> close enough. She had written this piece in foreignpolicywire.com about how um, basically the treatment of, of women in these Islamic countries. She had mm-hmm. written about how she's just very angry 
um, and upset about, you know, because she's a practicing Muslim and she's just upset about how the, the way that, you know, Saudi Arabia treats its women, how, yeah. you know, the, 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 the kind of scripture and um, doctrine that all these terrorist organizations use to justify the way they treat women. Um, and that there is some grounding for it. Absolutely, there's a lot of grounding for it there's when you a look lot at of like for, it doesn't come Hadith out of nowhere. And, yeah. and the and the whole point was that she's very angry because she's like, what the fuck? This is a religion that you know I care about, that I love, yeah. that I practice, um, and these people have, and, and that you know, I can't. How do I how do I fight back when they think they're legitimate? Right? Yeah. How do I tackle these problems? Um, and I remember she posted it, and yeah, it, and it is a little incendiary. But I think she, I mean, for as a woman who grew up practicing Islam, I, I found it very relevant to my yeah. life and how I feel when I see these stories pop up about how, you know, oppressive Islam is and how yeah. oppressive these Islamic countries are. And then the response to it was just kind of like, oh, you know, people need to stop pointing out all the bad things about Islam and that people do good things and blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, no, this is an actual issue. And I get Which yeah, is like is the bit... standard response to anything right. you don't have an answer there's, for, right? Like, oh, just don't worry about it. Like, right. let's not there's talk no, about there's it. No res- nobody yeah. takes responsibility. And I, and I remember having this conversation with my cousin, and we were talking about, like, I, I completely understand where she's coming from. And as a Muslim, I get it. It's just one of those things where... It, it goes both ways, right? So uh, Muslims will just say, well, why do we always have to talk about the bad things? And then non-Muslims will say, like, look, a, a Muslim is saying that they do this. Yeah. You know, like, this is um, just, uh, this is another reason why we should yeah. stereotype them yeah. and discriminate against them. So a couple points there. I kind of go back and forth between being like, okay, ISIS means absolutely nothing to me because they're so batshit crazy that they're not even like registering on my right. spectrum of reality. Um, to the other side of it, which is, yeah, ISIS is batshit crazy, but whether we like it or not, they're acting in the name of Islam and people are buying into it. And like you said, it's not just totally made up. They do have some kernels of truth um, that they've been able to distill from various books of scripture and that's what's pushing them. So we do have a duty to speak out against it and we do have a duty to like do something about it. Um, Again, I'm still like in the back and forth. I don't know which side I land on. It's like a day by day thing. Some days I'm just like, like, what do you even do with psychopaths right what do you do with sociopaths who are just insane versus well we got to figure something out quick um and the other i think part of it is like i think a lot of this stems from just the tradition um and I'm, tr- I'm almost trying to be PC about this because I'm acknowledging what a freaking sensitive topic this is. And I, mm-hmm. I don't mean to offend, um, but I think it would be naive to say that the Islamic tradition is not very patriarchal. And that doesn't oh, mean course, yeah. Islam as a religion is patriarchal, but it came down <laughs> right. in a time, again, not a scholar, not well-versed in, like, that time period in Arabia, but from what I understand, it came down in a period where the society was very patriarchal. And so you have the Quran, um, and it was delivered to this messenger of God, but then the books of Hadith and Sharia and Fiqh, all of this came centuries later and it was compiled by males and that's not to say that it was done with malice or that's not to say that they were like yo wait till we screw these chicks over they don't know what's coming like i don't think that was the mindset but 
um, they're human and they're not divine people and they come with biases that they are not able to remove, right? And I think that factors into how they interpret the scripture and how they interpret various verses in the Quran. And I think the solution to that or like the first step to solving that is to just really expand our female scholarship which we don't have we have a couple of these like star players like Ingrid Madsen and a couple of these other like sheikhas but by and large it's just not there and it's like 2015 and Islam is in every corner of the globe and we still have this fight on Twitter where it's like there's these events there's these panels and female scholars are just not being invited to speak and whether that's yeah and whether that's because there's not enough of them or people just don't give a shit to like or don't even think like it's not even part of the thought process to invite them I don't know but I think that's really important um and even if you look at just the Quran itself not everybody is versed in Quranic Arabic right so when I read the Quran I read it with translation but I'm also reading the commentary that comes with it and that again is like biased it comes from a human it did that wasn't also delivered by angel gabriel like that came from a human who's giving you the context and that human is a male and right i don't know Uh, yeah and that's the thing i mean not not that this like the patriarchal paternalistic under or overtones is just found in islam right that's kind of you're in the judeo-christian tradition you will see that um i'm sorry because society for so many centuries has been that way Right. Kitty and cat? As, a, as a side note, if you hear meowing, it's because I'm kitten sitting, a very sweet kitten named Luna, and she's with me. Yeah. So I apologize. Resident expert on terrorism. We'll <laughs> she hear from our, her shortly. Exactly. She is our resident expert on terrorism. Lots to she has say. Some very interesting ideas on what to do with ISIS. <laughs> Re- that problem. Revolutionary ideas, actually. <laughs> Revolutionary. Um, so yeah. So I mean, it's not to say that this is just. A, just something that you see in Islam, because that is not true. I think the problem is um, the way we speak, the the way we've been taught, right? And there is that, like you mentioned, that not everybody is versed in Quranic Arabic, and I remember growing up, is like, you have to read it in Arabic, you have to read it in Arabic, you can't. And that very few, right, it does, and and to read it in another language, or to even like, only read the translation isn't enough, or it's not, you know yeah i still get that uh, right so uh, people there is that kind of even your like sermons in the in the mosque right your khutbahs have to you're supposed to do it in or arabic first and then translate it or some a lot of a lot of mosques just do the arabic yeah. uh, version and then everybody's left out who doesn't know it so there's yeah. this kind of you have these keepers of the knowledge right yeah. people who are versed in Quranic arabic that are who are then translating for, t- to you yeah um, and there isn't that much transparency, and there right. isn't, and we talked about this in the last podcast, there isn't a focus on encouraging folks to figure it out on your own. Yeah. It's like, no, this is a set, this is how you're supposed to do it, this is how it's been yeah. prescribed to you. But also so because, like, not everybody can devote, like, you can't pick up a Rosetta Stone on Quranic right. Arabic, right? It's a very cumbersome, very complicated and uh, difficult language to master, and not yeah. everybody can take the two, three years to, you know, set up shop in Damascus or in Egypt and learn the right. language. So I think that's part of it. Um, but so what again, do you do? Do you do away with that? 
No, so I think that's why you need people from different genders, different races, different class, like socioeconomic classes to give you translations and you kind of read through all of them and take like the mean or the average almost, right? (laughs) Right. You approach it in like this really analytical Mm -hmm. um, way. And at the end of the day, honestly, Faiza, who the hell knows, right? Who the hell knows what is... versions of the Bible are out there, right? Yeah, who the hell knows what's right, what's wrong? You pick up just any literary novel and you like read through it and has all these similar and metaphors and all this like beautiful imagery you give it to five different book clubs all five of them will give you five outrageous radical understandings of it right Right. like who the hell knows what the meaning of all of this is who knows whose interpretation is right or wrong but like at the very least i think we should have more information to make more information and that's i think that's the biggest thing is that this this the tra- lack of transparency, because I think that was the biggest thing. Is it's I know for me it was kind of a turnoff. Is like I don't understand what I'm reading. Why am I like if I, I'm, I'm memorizing it? these suras? I'm memorizing yeah. these these prayers, yeah. but I don't necessarily know what they mean. I'm yeah. just told that I should be reciting them yeah. this you know for an occasion. Yeah. Um, and there isn't enough emphasis on finding out for yourself through, you know, different resources, what it actually means, how it relates to everyday life. And I, and I think that's the other thing is, like, not so much a modernization of it, but, like, how applicable is this hadith to our lives today? Yeah. And if it isn't, do you need to follow it? Yeah. Like, is it something that's absolutely, you know, pertinent to, like, your daily way of practicing your religion? Yeah. Or is it something that is it is it just a moral story? Yeah. You know, like I think that's the distinction. I mean, and you you said you've had your problem with hadith, and I've always yeah. seen it as kind of like it's just like a moral story. It's not necessarily yeah. like it's funny. This is how you do it. Two it's, of my closest friends and I had this like huge month long almost rebirth, and it stemmed from hadith and just like where did it come from? Is it even right? And uh, one of my best friends, shout out Lena, who's currently in Tanzania doing some amazing global health stuff. Um, she found this one hadith, and it's a Sahih Bukhari hadith. Uh, and again, so one, I uh, one question, uh, just quickly for yeah. our readers who might not be that familiar, oh, yeah, or sorry. listeners who might yeah. not be familiar with hadith, yeah. can you explain what that yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, so um, there are four main books of hadith that are thought to be empirically sound, and so there's like this very... Um, I don't even know how to describe it. There's a lengthy process by which Hadith is authenticated. Um, but and Hadith are... Oh, quick sorry. God, I suck at this. Hadith um, right. is... For our 3.5 listeners. Yes. This is for you. Um, Hadith are like the sayings and teachings of the Prophet. And they were canonized uh, two to three centuries after the Prophet's death. And... Um, the gentleman who took on the task of doing so would kind of travel to different cities throughout the Islamic kingdom um, or Islamic empire. It wasn't a kingdom. I guess empires. Empire, Islamic yeah, caliphate? Yeah. Uh, whatever. Islamic whatever. situation. Right. Um, and they would speak to people who uh, had known the prophet or had stories about the prophet um, and you know, do their research on, like, the people they were speaking to. So, like, is this person a trustworthy person? And they would ask, Mm. like, 15, 20 people within the community, and if the person, like, got good performance reviews, then, like... highly subjective is the... Yeah, but there's also, like, to be fair, there's, like, this chain of Isnad, which is, like, the chain of transmission. Um, And so it's not just, like, kind of 
pulling it out of nowhere like mm-hmm. I heard that this whatever um from an academic perspective didn't really make sense to me in terms of the authentication but that's a whole different fight for another day right. so it's uh a piece that's narrated um about somebody who says that the prophet used to sleep with all of his wives in one night and we like read this hadith and we died laughing because a how is it relevant to anybody's life how is it relevant to anybody's practice of islam um and b how is that even like really an authentic hadith right because that's something that is pretty hard to <laughs> confirm it's pretty much based on hearsay um but again like somebody could take that somebody who's like uneducated or not maybe even somebody who's educated and just wants to use certain information for their own purposes right. could take that and be like well now i need to have like x number of wives and i need to sleep with them all every single night and yeah. because that's the way the prophet did it and so it has to be done um and i don't know like stuff like that is what makes me kind of really wonder what we're doing and what we use this religion for if right. we're focusing so much on these like micro anecdotes that don't really affect anything um yeah and that's the thing is like anybody who would look at any moderate muslim or any educated normal sane muslim would look at that and kind of disregard it right because it has no bearing on our daily lives but as far as you know these fundamentalist kind of I don't even know if they're sociopaths just you know like disillusioned disenfranchised lost people who end up in terrorist organizations end up um, uh, taking these kind of these hadiths and using them as kernels of truth um, and then doing I mean, and, I and using it as justification. It. I wouldn't even necessarily take it that far. I don't even think you need to be like a fundamentalist to use that, right? Like I'm an attorney and when you are litigating you are basically pulling out only information from case law that helps your case, right? Right. Yeah, Litigation yeah, yeah. is just a game of words, and you are pulling information, you are drawing analogies where they don't necessarily really always exist, and sometimes you get away with it, and sometimes you don't. Um, so, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't even think, and that's what's so terrifying, that I don't even think it's necessarily people are fundamentalists, I think it's just people looking for whatever they want to look for, so, right. for example, so this, um, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 just any kind of justification for whatever shitty yeah, behaviors hu- are Yeah, because humans are yeah. shitty, right? And mm-hmm. humans are going to look for justification for their actions wherever they can find it. Um, and so even, like, the, uh, what's it called, the expose on ISIS that came out in the New York Times, like, last week or two weeks ago, um, about this really perverted rape culture that they've started, it's not like just one guy started raping chicks and then they were like, okay, yeah, let's make this a thing. It was a very thought out and Mm -hmm. carefully constructed, um social culture that they enact like it was planned they had every facet of it planned out um and they must have seen something or read something that made them feel entitled to do so and that's what's really scary because where is this information coming from how do you control that flow of information like if it's reaching so many people now there's something bigger going on here there's something more pervasive going on here right and I think, I mean, I think it's just that kind of lack of transparency, that lack of 
dissemination you know, dissemination of knowledge and yeah um lack of encouragement lack of encouragement to like seek knowledge right to, to yeah. seek it out yourself and these you know these isis fighters they're they're following it blindly right i mean how many yeah. of them are sitting down and actually discussing the ideology behind yeah. their movements right yeah um and you know, the rape of girls and um i think you mentioned we talked about this before the the new york times article and it's not not just the New York Times; just has been reported in a bunch of different publications yeah. about um, how they've been using rape as a tool um, of yeah. war, um, as as, a, as you know, this, uh, well, ra using rape as a tool of war is never is no, nothing new. But the way they yeah. use it is um, they pray before, they pray after, and they yeah. say that it's it's justified because Their these duty. women aren't Muslim. Yeah. Um, and that this, they're fulfilling some kind of duty yeah. by by violating these women. Um, yeah, and again, it's not new to like even faith, right? Humans are right. so thirsty and so like desperate to believe in anything. You look at any of the major movements, the things that people have done in the name of Christianity, the things people have done in the name of Judaism, things people have done in the name of Scientology, like, oh my God. you have to pay yeah. a certain amount of money before you can even, like, receive them. It's so weird, but people mm -hmm. are so hungry to just believe. They're so hungry to feel like they're part of something. And right. when somebody is in that mindset, you can literally tell them anything, Faisa, right. and they'll believe it. You can tell them anything and they'll believe it. And there's and let's be real, there's money to be made. Right? There's money Billions. to be made. Well, how is Al Qaeda all, all how is that all funded? It's opium trade. They're selling yeah. they're selling opium. They're I mean, all these sheikhs in Saudi Arabia, the reason that the you know Wahhabi jihadi police is is still well and alive in that country is because there's money to be made from it. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that's why they're still supported. That's how they they fund themselves. Um, yeah, and it's dude. Kind of, even here, you. Yeah. I went to a fundraiser for a masjid. It's like the masjid in our community. We raised one point four million dollars in an hour, my dude. One point four million. That's amazing. I hope it they was. Spend I mean, it well. yeah, yeah. No, and I think it's definitely going to be used well, and it's for a community center that this community really needs. But that's a lot of money. It's though. a lot of money. We have the money, yeah. um, and and people are dying to give it for are, causes like this. Right, and and it's scary because how do you fight that kind of thinking? How do you, know how you do you can. how do you address it? How do you move past it? How do you crush it? Like as a Muslim, right? As someone who how is, do you counter it? Yeah. How know. do you how do you counter it? Because these people believe they are in the right, and they have they might have some scripture to back it up. Yeah. How do you I don't know. tell them? Do you them do like no? a pen pal exchange? Like right, me and you right. each take on yeah. an ISIS soldier? Hey, listen to my podcast. <laughs> hey, ISIS hey, fighter, hey, listen to my hey, podcast. Bro. Hey, bro, you have five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> You have five minutes to really sign my petition? Yeah. You know, like, that's not... No, I mean, part of me is super pessimistic, and, like, every religious tradition that has ever existed has had their, like, apocalyptic end-of-time story, right? And mm -hmm. Islam is no different. Right. Um, 
but half of our, I think, focus in the religion is on the Day of Judgment and the hereafter. Um, but Islam also has a lot to say about the events leading up to it, right? It's not like one day we're just going to wake up and it's going to be game over. There's minor and major signs that lead up to it. Um, and part of that includes not this exactly, but there's the four or we're told that there's going to come a time right before the Day of Judgment where Muslims will be so hated that Muslims will hide their identities. Like, people will be so against Muslims, they'll be in such bad shape, and Muslims will actually hide their identity so that they're not persecuted. And like, mm-hmm. I see it happening all the time. So part of me is like, well, maybe this is it, bro. This is like how we go down. <laughs> this is this is game over. Like, just yeah. accept your fate. Just hang out. Um, so and even, like, with the, the right. jaw, like, the other signs are the Jesus, the Messiah, is going to come back, and there's going to be the jaw, and there's going to be Mehdi. Um, and I, I think there was, like, I don't know if this is just on Pakistani news channels, but there was, like, this rumor that Mullah Omar was, like, the jaw because he's the one with the one eye, right? He's the one who had the shrapnel oh. in the one eye. What? So the jaw is supposed to be, like, this one-eyed monster, so people were like, oh, shit. Mullah <laughs> <laughs> Get found the you fuck out. out of here. Yeah, I mean, man. A, a fair bit of fear mongering there. A real as life well, Nostradamus. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's absolutely. always like when something goes wrong. But it also kind wrong. of makes sense, right? Like, but, okay, if this is... so I mean, part of it. Wait, wait, you don't fall for this, Faisal. So wait. I don't fall for this because I'm kicking I you out of my pen pal program. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not. Um, I can't say I'm. I'm, I'm can endorse that um, train of thought, but I remember when the internet started becoming popular and, like, um, you know, I, like, you got, like, AOL at home. My mom was like, you know, in one of the hadiths, they said that, you know, there's going to be... That she Basically, that the internet was the devil. That it was... Uh, the Satan one-eyed did, monster! Yeah, because the AOL symbol had the one-eye, right. the Illuminati one-eye. Right, and that, you know, the, yeah. it was the internet. The internet was the devil, and that it was, yeah, this was the end of time. Yeah, me and to talk, the man. The end of time was nigh, yeah. um, because we got AOL in the house. Um, yeah. So I think that's a fair, there's a fair bit of fear-mongering. I think that every time there's something, something like this happens, is like, you know, it is, you know, people just kind of get really scared, and then it's like, okay, fuck you know, the day of judgment is coming and we're all fucked. Give up. But, yeah, yeah, just give just up. Give up. <laughs> just give up. Just give up, lay down, go to sleep. <laughs> so like, I mean, I think, not to say that's a cop-out or that there is no recourse, I, uh, I, th- I would, I probably am on the more optimistic side of it where I think, I don't want to die yet. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't want the world to come to end an end anytime soon. But I think that Muslims can do a lot more about this problem than... We are. Yeah. Um, I think we have to just take responsibility for this shit. And I understand that there is a fair amount of like, all right, why do we have to take on this burden when it, we don't believe this shit? We don't agree with what they're doing. But you know what? They're hijacking our religion. It's time for us to hijack it back. Yeah, by I, saying, I think I think the numbers here are higher than they are for any other like terrorist organization. Right. Um, and I think it really affects us deeply too, because their actions literally shit on all of the all rest of us. Of us right, yeah. Where it doesn't really happen with and so, and, it's, and someone who isn't necessarily the most practicing Muslim, it's still like it hurts my heart to see this shit happen. You know, like it makes me angry when I see this, mm-hmm. and, and I think for other people, it might alienate them further from their religion. Um, and yeah. 
I think for you, like, you know, like, it's, it can go one way, which is with you, where you kind of uh, kind of moved away from the community, and then for other folks, it's kind of, like, for me, like, kind of move, move away, away from, from the everything. faith, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, because you just, I think for me, it's just, Because like you this, assume that what they're doing is based on something, and you're like, I want no part of this, so peace that, out. And, like, I, I wouldn't say, not for me, at least, where I'm like, okay, you know, they have some truth, there's some truth, of course, there's some truth to it, I don't think that's the majority of Muslims don't think like that, I think for me, it's more just the response of the community at large but there is this kind of oh well let's just we, we don't believe in it so we're just sweep it under the rug or we won't take responsibility for it or the media is just but blowing Faisa, it out don't of proportion you think that, like at least the national organizations here i know like it's not it can always issue these press releases condemning the acts of terror i don't particularly care for them i don't think they're like really worthwhile or anything but right beyond that what do you think and I, i'm not saying this in a sassy way by any means but right really beyond that what do you think what the do community we... I think can it's, do it starts on a micro level like it's great i kind of like our pen these... pal idea bro i think the pen pal idea might be a good idea it's <laughs> kind of like you know it'll <laughs> Maybe when once they learn, once they find out about me, learn about me, they'll uh, they'll they'll you know be yeah, like, oh, or maybe okay, they can I, I don't channel all their anger at my nail polish. Right. Like <laughs> you know, some other you know, um, they, like therapy through art program or something for them. <laughs> I don't know. Paint your feelings. Sleep therapy, maybe. <laughs> right. Just take your vitamins. I don't know what exactly, yeah. like... I, so I think for yeah. me, it's more this micro-level thing. Like, macro-level, yeah. it's great that these are national organizations, these big-time organizations are condemning these acts, but I think it's for me more than anything, like, this micro-level. Like, in the mosques, these imams, when they give their khutbahs, when they give their sermons, instead of talking yeah. about, like, the fiery depths of hell, and if you yeah. look at, your, at a sister, that you will, yeah. you know... Be you'll get like you know seventy lashes whatever yeah. <laughs> like it just you know stupid like that minutia of it all right yeah but it, that stuff is not what's actually affecting us on a daily level like we yeah, need to start looking five steps right ahead years yeah. down the line generations down the line how is like how do we talk to our kids about religion we discussed this in the last, yeah. last podcast it's all fear based right it's all fear mongering. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot, like a lot of my peers, have grown up just being doing things out of guilt. Why are you practicing the, this religion? What are the things that you should be learning? What are the things that you should be looking up? You know, how do we just how do we discuss religion amongst ourselves? How do we talk about what's going on in the and, and yeah, the media does obviously blow a lot of things out of proportion. Organizations in Detroit raised over a hundred thousand dollars for Detroiters without water, right? Um, that stuff isn't going to get media attention. But at the same time, I think we just have to take the narrative back. That's what you, that's what even these presidential campaigns, yeah. like that's what they do. Yeah. They take the narrative back. You spin the story and how you spin the story is like on a micro level. You start talking about, yeah. you start talking about like, fine, yeah, you know, these yeah. Saudi Arabia is really yeah. fucked up for not letting women drive and that's really stupid and yeah. we should try and or change that. Or make our narrative. Right. <laughs> stronger yeah and so i think that's what it is it's like not not just condemning these terrorist organizations because that's very easy to do and and you know that that platform is very digestible but like condemning people condemning saudi arabia for the way they treat their women you know condemning absolutely 100 percent. and nobody speaks out against this right and i think part of it is driven by the fact that saudi is such a bunch of bullies and nobody (laughs) wants their ability to go for umrah revoked myself included um, because Saudi yeah. will do that. Like, you say one thing, and they're like, game right. over, bro. But then it's like, Come what is me. more important to you, right? Yeah, because absolutely. Because there won't be absolutely. any hudge to go to 
if this yeah. shit keeps up, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, really, I can't go to Hajar Umrah anyway because I'm a single girl <laughs> and I don't have a marriage. Right. So. Um, so th- shit out of luck right. anyway. <laughs> so things like that. It's just that stuff in the grand, I, for me at least, personally, when I see stuff like this happening, I don't think that's as important as 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 quelling this kind of fundamentalist extremist yeah. faction. Um, I don't even think it's quelling it, right? Because I don't know if necessarily we can quell it. I think it's more about... Taking, um, back, our, taking back your religion out, and, like... Not even outnumbering it, but, again, just making our narrative stronger, stronger right, and, and cohesive. Louder. And I think that's the problem, is that the, yeah. the Muslim yeah, community... Yeah, united. The, the, that because it is, it is 1.3 billion, whatever it is, so many cultures, so many different yeah. languages, so many people come from different you know areas of the world that it can't it's really hard to construct like a cohesive narrative but at least we can agree on one thing that this shit is bad that isis is bad the things that they're doing are terrible and it is not in the name of islam and there's no religion i recognize and that's easy and that and that shouldn't mean maybe it shouldn't mean that you just kind of close your eyes right. and say, well, it's not the religion I follow, so it's not right. my problem, because it is your, it problem, is your problem. Because your kids are going to be, yeah, your kids are going to be discriminated against be because of it. Your kids could be recruited. Fuck that. Your kids could be recruited exactly, by these organizations. Exactly. Because these girls exactly. are, you know, there was uh, those So it's going to be your problem. From London that were, and the parents are just like, yeah. what did we do wrong? We thought we taught them yeah, well. no signs. Right? They're beside yeah. themselves, and it's so sad to see this, like, these are young teenage girls who grew up, you know, for all intents and purposes, are pretty westernized and then they get recruited by these by these organizations because they have a really compelling narrative they can sell themselves and we don't we do not do a good job of selling ourselves and they take the time to speak to kids like individually yeah exactly and that's what we're not doing maybe every masjid doesn't need a basketball court for the brothers (laughs) right right? like maybe we need other stuff we need yeah and that i think that's what it is it's more and, and it's so cliche and it's so hokey but we need to start talking to each other and opening up a a really frank and honest dialogue about how yeah. our religion is is perceived. How, how why is it so easily distorted? I think that's the problem. Yeah. Why is it so easily distorted? Like people can look at the Duggars and be like, yeah. Other Christians look at the Duggars and be like, yeah, they're really fucked up, and this is not, you know, any we don't endorse yeah. this. It's fun to watch, and we know they're ridiculous. But we sit back yeah. and we watch it, and we're like, oh shit, we're scared, so we don't yeah. say anything, right? Yeah. And I think that's yeah. the biggest. Yeah, problem and for me. When we do have that conversation, at no point should it be about whose faith is right. stronger. Like I believe, therefore I'm not affected by right. ISIS, whereas you may not believe, and that's why you're so right. terrified or whatever it is. It's not. It's yeah, not it's, relevant. It's, it's not just a competition. Not it's not, and that's what I think. What the with um, that piece I was talking about about um, Mona whatever and foreignpolicywire.com, <laughs> her her um, article about the way women are treated in Islam. What pissed me off is the way other Muslims are reacting to it, and it's just like, oh, this is just going to make us look even worse, and that, you know, this is not the case in, in, you know, for moderate Muslims, and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know what? That's not good enough reason to ignore this. It's not a good enough reason to pretend that this isn't happening. Yeah, because regardless of how liberal and moderate you are, it affects right. you, right? You either become a huge apologist, where right. everywhere you go, you're like, oh, I don't like ISIS, yo, I'm not mm-hmm. ISIS, I'm not ISIS. Or eventually, like you said, it's going to pervade, like, their numbers are yeah. growing, bro. For we thought reason. it was just the Taliban. We thought it was just Al-Qaeda. It's not. It's right. everywhere. And you don't know tomorrow who shows up in your community or who shows up mm-hmm. in your school 
um, with the same ideology. So we gotta be and then gotta be on the on offensive. The, yeah, and I think that's the big. I think like that's the difference that we are absolutely. We are pl- we are always playing a catch up game. We're re- we're incredibly reactionary. We never really we're incredibly catch up. reactionary. We're pearl clutching reactionary idiots. Like we don't do shit until it blows up in our faces, and that's what. And then we still then can't we do still shit. And still don't do shit. And then like, we still oh, don't no. do shit. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's that's I think that's what our problem is is that we wait for things to pile up and then we claim victimization or oppression or discrimination. Yeah. Now it's too much and right. we can't handle it. Instead yeah. of saying, like, okay, no, these are really fucked up people and it's really fucked up that they're saying doing this in the name of our religion, so we should do something about it. Not, yeah. oh, you're just, you know, you're stereotyping us or you're prejudiced or you're biased. Yeah. Like, they kind yeah. of, you know what? I'm going to go out and say it. They kind of have a reason to be. <laughs> We're not doing yeah. enough. We're not doing enough to yeah. educate our kids we're not doing enough to educate the community at large yeah and the level of barbarianism that the taliban and like isis represents is not often seen in this world thankfully Uh. um okay so moral um we should definitely get some more female scholars we should boycott saudi yeah i'm just (laughs) and the thing is like they're like it's becoming increasingly and they know they have obviously they have like a fucking monopoly on this right that's why they're it's becoming increasingly commercialized and ridiculous custodians of the holy mosque that's all they gotta throw out and everybody yeah and call out individuals not just these giant organizations call out individuals when you hear a brother or a sister saying some crazy ass shit at the mosque call them out or if they're your parents are having a party and someone says something stupid call them out take a stand yeah. You know, like yeah. yeah, and I I will say I think at least in the U.S. and I can't speak for the broader uh, global right. community, but I think at least in the U.S. we do have our share of very moderate and like rational scholars who will come out and say like ISIS is mm-hmm. crazy and it's not okay, and even will say like we need to talk to our kids and we need to protect them. You were even saying that um, the Eid khutbah you heard, right? Uh, the, the yeah, imam was saying like, you need talk to talk to your kids. kids. Yeah. Um, so I I don't want to portray this as like they're just not doing anything. I just think we need to work harder and we need to work faster because right. this shit is really scary, yeah. dude. Like the fact that they're recruiting on social media. These are freaking barbaric. Mm-hmm animals and they're recruiting they're like wooing girls courting girls on social that's terrifying to me that's really scary they have they they know what they're doing and they're better at it than we are the fact that they're like kicking game that's really terrifying to me because they're not just sitting in the uh, desert yeah this is a completely different ballgame they're incredibly modernized they're very tech social media savvy more so than me and you (laughs) like yeah and they're 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 on the offensive from like every plane and we're not on anything. We're just too fractured, so. and it's very sad. So yeah. Also, if you want to join our pen pal with an ISIS yes. program, ISIS soldier program, or let us know. Like to head the we'll put out an official application. <laughs> You'd like to head that program? Yeah, interpretive, interpretive dance. dance pretty <laughs> we good. can get them onto that. Um, um, yeah, animal therapy I think might be good too. Hey, Luna. That was her idea. You said animal therapy. I, I mean, I think everybody should snorkel with sea turtles, man. <laughs> that, give them, that shit revolutionized. Give them some perspective. Like, my ex- God, like on an the exchange world. program. Yeah. Like an ISIS totally. exchange program. Like, bring him over yeah. here. 
Um, I mean, I'm not trying to no, go I'm not trying that, to so I won't sign up for that program. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's just, I think it goes back to our, the moral of a story of the last podcast. It's just like, you, it's it's a micro level thing. It's not a macro level thing. Like that sh- change is not going to be affected until we actually start being honest, take responsibility and do something about it in a very tactical and strategic way. Yeah. And, and fast. fast. Yes. Fast. Yes. Strength in numbers. Or whatever. Well, now that we've solved <laughs> now world that problem, we've solved ISIS, set it our business plan. Yes. What's next? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, shoot us a tweet, yeah. a tweet or Instagram or whatever. Um, I am on Twitter. I am at Cold Shoulder Cat. On Instagram, I'm the Cold Shoulder Cat. Um, Mahek, what's your John? I'm I'm Nisi on Twitter, N-E-E-C-I, and on Instagram, uh, I'm Matt Jamil because I'm so <laughs> original. Um, we actually did get a request from a loyal podcast listener, so uh, we will be probably doing that next episode, I guess. Yeah, so the next, so the... It'll be a surprise. Yeah, so we oh, should gonna, mention what the topic them? is. It's about, okay. um, like, dating or contacting people on, like, Muslim dating sites or just Muslim dating in general. We can make yeah. it broader. How, how to lose a guy or girl <laughs> in 10 how steps, basically. How to lose a uh, Muslim guy or girl in 10 days. But, like, I guess, and we can yeah. also just make it broader. I think broader, it's also kind of, I think that it's it applies to kind of just South Asians in general. How do you approach yeah. people? How do you talk yeah. to people? Zero emotional EQ. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you have any ideas about that, tweet us. Let us know what your thoughts. Or horror stories. We'd love yeah, to and them. let us know if you have any ideas for future podcasts or if you have any good yeah. ideas for guests. Yeah. Um, it's Wednesday, but this probably isn't going to go up till Thursday. So hope you guys have a good Thursday. We will catch you yeah. guys next week. Sounds good. All right, bye. bye-bye.